to this week's episode of Wizards After Dark, a very, I mean, probably my most important episode I've ever done, because we're going to have to talk about how Anthony Davis is now going to have to settle for being, I guess, the best Davis remaining in Orlando. It's a it's a huge, this is a huge deal. This is a, hu- a huge story for all Davises around. Uh, on the podcast, I got my producer, Andrew Schlecht. What's up, Fred? And uh, coming back on, the only person who I would want to talk about with Davis Bertans not playing in Orlando with, I guess, I guess other than Davis Bertans, I would I would have kicked you off if I could get Davis Bertans on short notice, but unfortunately I can't. the The person who sat here on this podcast probably about a month ago and has said to me via phone call and via eight hundred and seventy two text messages, why the hell would Davis Bertans play in Orlando? Ben Standick. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think the real story is I really thought you were going to get that Anthony Davis joke out of your system when you used it before we started recording, but apparently not. So <laughs> congrats on that. Hey, hey, there's a difference between uh, you guys are like my testing audience. It's like how when I just text things to Andrew and then depending on his response, I'll tweet it or not. Yeah. That's that's it's basically the same thing. The the pre podcasting conversation is is just my testing audience. Fantastic. That's what I'll go by. Um, So anyway, Davis Bartons, not playing in Orlando. Woj was the first to report it. He's going to be sitting out. He's not hurt, but he's going to be sitting out those eight games. Bartons, obviously, a free agent after this season. I've been hearing all year he's going to make, you know, you ask different people, you hear different numbers, but you hear he's going to get $12 a year for four years. You hear he's going to get $15 a year for four years. I got one person who has nothing to do with Davis Bertans and nothing to do with the Wizards, but is a successful person who works in the NBA who is insisting to me he's going to get the Boyan Bogdanovich contract, which is like four for 70-something. Obviously, all of this stuff is up in the air because we don't know what next year's salary cap is going to be like because of the shortened season and all of the you know the, the revenue shortages that are going to come because they are playing fewer games and because they're not going to have fans and all that kind of stuff. That's going to mess with the offseason. But Davis Bertans is going to get paid, and he is going to make generational money, and he's going to make more money than he did before. And he doesn't want to go to Orlando and get hurt. And Ben, as you pointed out, it is it is the reasonable decision for Davis Bertans to do this, right? 100%. I mean, if the Wizards were legitimately a team in contention for, for, for something to happen in this postseason, we could have a, a different argument. But, you know, even if they somehow were to – you know, put themselves in a position to get into this playoff game uh, against Orlando or, or the Nets, and then from there win that game and and face Milwaukee. I mean, the odds of them doing any real damage against the Bucks is pretty, uh, you know, pr- pr- pretty pretty astronomical. So th- this isn't a team going anywhere. And plus, the whole circumstances are weird. We have no idea what's really going to happen in terms of you know any of this. The play, we still don't really know all the details of what's going to happen in Orlando. So for a guy like him. This is the payday. This is the career payday is coming this offseason. You can't mess that up. So especially with the Wizards showing every indication, like you said, that they want to keep him and they're going to, you know, pay, pay him. I mean, you know, I guess we could quibble over the amount and, 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 you know, where the Wizards are at uh, financially as an organization because of all this pandemic. But putting that stuff aside, yeah, there's no reason for Bertans to to go out there and play. And you would hope that everybody involved would, would understand. Yeah, and I'll I'll have a story coming out on this 
soon. I don't know exactly when. It might be up by the time this podcast comes out. I, I just filed it before we started recording. But honestly, this is a situation where what's best for Bertons is also completely what's best for the Wizards. Because if you're the Wizards and you want to re-sign Davis Bertons this summer, with no question, they do. I mean, Tommy Shepard has been so unbelievably transparent about this. Tommy Shepard did an interview with the team podcast in December and said, this is just about working out the numbers. We definitively want him back. Like, if that's not an indication, you don't need anonymous sources to know the Wizards want Davis Bertans back. Tommy Shepard just flat out said it right there in a public interview with the, with the, uh, with the team podcast. Like, it's, it's right there. They want him back, and nothing has changed. Nothing with the, with the situation of the NBA now. Nothing with the situation of the Wizards has changed. The Wizards still want him back as much now as they did before. And look... Davis Bertans has an injury history. He's torn his ACL twice. The last thing you want is for him to go out there. And I've spoken to, this is, this is from players and non-players. The biggest concern amongst those who have reservations about the NBA resuming in Orlando, the biggest health concern that I hear is not about coronavirus. It's about... These guys have not played real competitive basketball for months. And yes, they're going to have time to go through a training camp and all that stuff. But guess what? When they're going through a training camp, even a week into a training camp, two weeks into a training camp, even later, they're going to be starting off and playing competitive basketball, going through a, to a, through a playoff race, going into playoff basketball when normally you're in playoff shape as opposed to early season shape, right? That's when you pop a hamstring. That's when you pop an Achilles. And those are the more serious things, right? And so people are more concerned about the potential for serious injury than they are about all the coronavirus stuff, which would be freaking me the hell out on top of all of it, right? You don't want Davis Bertans to get hurt. For every humane reason, you don't want someone to get hurt. Davis Bertans doesn't want to get hurt because he has, no one wants to get hurt, but also because it could affect how much he gets paid. And the Wizards don't want him to get hurt because they're 24 and 40. They've spent from day one of this season with John Wall out for the year saying this year is not about this year. It's about next year. And if it's about next year, you don't want the guy who was your second best player this year being hurt going into next year. You want him to be healthy. You want him to be fresh. He has an injury history. He had a nagging quad injury this year. Just let him stay home. Let him stay healthy, let him rest, let him gear up. And the other thing is, people think about the serious stuff. People think about what I just said, right? The Achilles, the hamstring, even just like nagging injuries. Guys have nagging injuries all the time where it's just like, you need to do a little rehab over the summer. Or maybe you just need like a cleaning of your knee or you need a cleaning of your elbow. You need a little arthroscopic scope, right? Nothing serious, stuff that modern medicine has made totally routine and that guys not only completely recover from, but they're better than ever once they get it because now their body is just in significantly better shape. You just need the six weeks or eight weeks to recover and then you're totally good and it's never a problem again, right? You don't have those six weeks or eight weeks. You can't just get something and then be good to go once the season is over because there's essentially no off season. The finals end in the middle of October and the season starts on November 10th. You might end up missing the beginning of next season when normally if the off season starts in you know, July 1 or June 15 or whatever, 
you'll have months and months and months before training camp starts. That's not the case this year. You have like three weeks between the finals and training camp. So even those injuries that aren't serious and aren't going to keep you out a long time that guys save until the offseason to recover from, you don't get that time now. So just don't even risk it. Don't even risk it. Play it for next year if you're Davis Bertans and play it for next year if you're the Wizards. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a question. So yeah, is is Berton seen as a core member of this team moving forward for like the next four or five years, or what's how significant do you think he is to the long term planning? Because there's there will be teams that have cap space this summer: the Hawks, Grizzlies, Knicks, Pistons, Hornets, Cavs, and Suns. We'll all have cap space. Do do any of those teams put together a good enough? offer to him that would make him want to leave or are the wizards just wanting to just fork over as much as they can to keep him so i think i wouldn't be surprised if the hawks made him a nice a nice offer uh i have no idea what the knicks are gonna do like i just don't know what their new management is gonna think lord lord knows i like power forwards so they could i mean another thing one of those teams with cap space could do if the market is a little bit bogged down because of how the, the the salary cap works out, if a team has significant cap space, they could do the the huge one-year offer type of deal to him. Another thing I think is plausible with him because he's the typical guy who is better on a winning team than he is on a losing team, right? And this summer, all those teams you just named are losing teams. Detroit losing team, Atlanta losing team, Knicks losing team, so on. Pretty much all those team, teams that you just named are losing teams. So I could see him being a sign-and-trade candidate if somebody really wanted him. Like, he'd be so good in Milwaukee. He'd be so good with the Lakers. There are a million good teams where you look at and you're like, man, he'd be awesome. But I think the Wizards view him as as part of the core, for sure. I, it's It's a funky to work out. They wouldn't be wanting to pay him if they didn't view him as part of the core because paying him for multiple years is going to lock in that core. And I think they view him along with they're dying to see him play with John Wall because John Wall creates a corner threes like few other guys if he's good still. Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans is like a what is he? He's like a 57% corner three-point shooter over the last 2 years. It's the most insane stat. It is crazy. Yeah, and if Davis Bertans is getting corner threes from John Wall, like he could be getting an abundance of them. He could be getting two a game, which is a lot, by the way. Guys don't shoot two corner threes a game unless they're BJ Tucker. So you could have you could have a really dynamic offense, and I think they see that with him and there are gonna be defensive flaws with him out there and Rui out there as as the two forwards, and we'll see who ends up being their center moving forward and Wall and Beal at the top of the guards. But they view him as as part of it. Like Ben, do you what do you think of of that lineup? Because that's like a thing that I've wondered for a while. Because they say they want to get better at defense. They have openly said they they want to look at a rim protector this summer and how to get that in. They have Wagner and and Thomas Bryan at the center positions. And Thomas Bryan is apparently ripped now. Apparently Thomas Bryan has abs. So who knows? Maybe that changes everything. He's, he's pulled a Jokic. But what do you think of of those forwards? Because that's a thing that you have to ask if you re-sign 
Bertans, right? Like, can Bertans and Rui play consequential minutes for long stretches of time guarding big wings? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, for me, the big question back at the trading deadline. Uh, if you're keeping Bertans okay, I totally get all the reasons why, but but if you're going to pay him, you know, $15 million a year, whatever that number is going to be, he's got to start. But you also just invested this top 10 pick in Rui Hachimura, and you clearly like him, and they're not the same player, but... Neither one of them is a three. Neither one of them is a five. So how do you work that out? Is that Rui's got to be, you know, get a little better uh, defensively so you can play him as a small ball five? Or you just accept that Bertans won't be able to guard certain players on the wing and, and just go with that? I mean, that's definitely a huge question for me and remains to be unanswered, especially with, you know, if you went Bertans at the three as some hypothetical, there is no real rim protection at the five. So, there's definitely a lot of questions I have for sure. They obviously have, you know, once they kept them, it seems like they kind of decided, all right, we're going to move forward with this. We'll we'll have the pieces and we'll sort of we'll sort of figure it, figure it out. Here's a random question I just had, and this is literally just coming into my head as we're sitting here. So obviously, you know, every indication from the player and the team is that they want this marriage to continue. And this was the first year that Bertans had been with Washington following the trade with the Spurs. And, and I guess you could probably say this was like the most expanded role he's ever had. I'm sure that made him feel good. And, and obviously his season went very well from an individual standpoint. All that said, so the season ended in March or suspended in March, I should say. He's not going to be with his team now. Is he is he around now? Like, is he with uh, is he at the facility now or is he somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's he's going to practice with the team in D.C. Okay. Until they leave, because they're doing a few weeks of practices in D.C., and then they leave for Orlando in the beginning of July. So he's going to be with the team for the next few weeks doing practices and all that kind of stuff. And then he is going to go back home to Lafayette in, uh, I guess, in July when the team goes to Orlando. Okay, well, at least he's been around, because I was thinking to myself, man, if if the last time he was kind of really with them was in March, and free agency is now not until, I don't even know, what, September? October like that's a long time to be away from somebody and you know when you're you know in any kind of a relationship when you get away from that level you know when you're when you're not around these people as much the feelings that you had kind of can fade away so I was kind of wondering you know will he remember everything as fondly as he did in February and March as he will in October especially if other teams start poking around and saying hey what are the wizards willing to pay you we're willing to give you that you know, does he like, you know, does he still feel the same, you know, uh, c- c- connection as he did then? I'm not saying he won't. I just something that just like I said, just sort of popped in my brain because this is all so unusual. Normally, a season ends in April. Free agency is, uh, you know, a l- little more than two months uh, a- after that. This is way longer th- than that. Even uh, even right now, if he you know practices a little bit and then we don't have oct- till October, you know, that, that's a ways off. So I will say every impression that I've gotten is that he, I mean, obviously it's going to come down to money. If the Wizards offer him 75% of another team, I don't necessarily think this is true, but every indication that I've gotten is the Wizards would like to pay him and he would like to resign. Normally when you have those two things going together, that guy resigns. I've, I'm under the assumption, I like I think the Wizards... The, I think the conservative way to say it is the Wizards are the heavy favorites to re-sign him. Like, I think that's the conservative prediction. 
when a team wants to sign a guy and is willing to pay a guy and a player's first choice is to resign, the guy normally resigns. And I think it's for more than just playing for the Wizards, by the way. I think he and his family are very happy in D.C., and I think that's a real part of it. I think they really like it there, and I think they'd like to stay, and I think it's a real part of it. Uh, I think part of it is his role. He's he's thrilled about the fact that he came from the Spurs where he was the guy who stood in the corner and the guy who spot up shot, and, and now it's like Scott Brooks actively wants him chucking whenever he wants. If he passes the ball, Scott Brooks gets mad at him. And he loves that because he doesn't want to pass the ball. He just wants to shoot and shoot from wherever and however. Like, this is the dude who, when I asked him how far out is too far out, he said, I haven't found out yet. This is the role that he wants, you know? Uh, And I think he is excited about that and I think he wants that to continue. So I think that's I think that's a big a big part of it too. I would I don't want to say I would be surprised if he left because there could be a team out there that just breaks the bank for him that just loves Davis Bertons. There are a lot of teams that really like Davis Bertons and maybe there's some team that's just like, yeah, sure, 80 million for four years and the Wizards are just like, whoa, no one saw that coming. So maybe, maybe that's always possible. There's always, it only takes one, as they say. But, uh, but I think the Wizards are the favorites. Like if I had to pick a team he's on next year, the Wizards are, are the ones still. Sure. For and, sure. And, and by the way, just to sort of like, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll want to get into this, but to spin this forward, and t- you know, we're talking about the Rory Hachimura, Bertons, how do they fit together type thing. So I, I'm not putting like a ton of stock into these eight games in terms of whatever we see will, will will be the lasting. I mean, I guess it will be the last impression we have of these players for better or for worse. But it's not going to all of a sudden over you know completely change my my view on some guys. But this does mean that Hachimura gets the chance to really be the four for this team for this whole eight for this eight games, or if they were to advance. Like the, you know, the, there's not a a matter of you know getting them both in there. He, you know, this is a great chance. Is my point for the Wizards to really feature Hachimura. Obviously, you still have Bradley Beal, but you know, give Hachimura every opportunity to be you know the the, the go-to guy when Beal's sitting on the bench, or or really to be featured. Not having to. I mean, it, it would be great to have Bertans' shooting on the court and help spread the court and all that. But nonetheless, it does give Hachimura the chance to really uh, get as many looks as, as conceivable out there and obviously that's a big deal and that you could maybe make the same case for Troy Brown to a degree assuming Scott Brooks plays him at the three or you know is willing to use him in, in certain spots um you know so it, it, you know since I certainly was not viewing this as the Wizards this is a, a, their chance to win an NBA title or make a run th- this is about getting these players as much reps as possible and practices in the game so even though if you believe Bertans is coming back you know what he is we still need to learn more about these younger guys, namely for me, Hachimura and Troy Brown, and this is an opportunity for him to, to for those guys to play. I guess, and I guess you could say like same with with uh, Isak Bonga as well. Yeah, for sure. And Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant, like Thomas Bryant, we think of as more established than Rui because he's in his third year compared to Rui's first, but they're the same age. They're both twenty two years old. Mo Wagner's twenty two years old. I think. I think Rui is going to be shooting more threes over these last eight games. I think Wagner is going to be shooting more threes. I think Troy Brown will probably get some more point guard minutes. I think Garrison Matthews will get some more minutes. 
I think all those things are going to happen. And I think that's going to be a, a, a major objective for them in Orlando. Like, I almost think this is going to be looked at as like summer league plus, you know, it's not summer league because they're playing against NBA players. So it's almost like a better version of summer league where there are no consequences they're mostly young guys anyway. And look, Bertans is the only wizard so far. The deadline for telling your team if you're not going to go to Orlando is Wednesday. Bertans is the only wizard who's officially said, I'm, I'm not going to go. So far. Ish Smith is not going to say that. At least from what he told me. I spoke to Ish Smith on this podcast last week, and he said he wants to play flat out. So let's assume Ish Smith is playing. If Ish Smith didn't want to play, by the way, it would be very reasonable. He's a 10-year vet. He's 30, 31 years old. The Wizards know who and what Ishmith is. He's under contract for next year. He's going to be a rotation player. No need to make him go down there. No need to have him take up young guys' playing times, right? No need to have him get an injury of himself and miss the beginning of next year. Like, if he wants to play, that's great. If he didn't, that would be fine as well. And Bradley Beal's the other veteran where it's like, okay, I think... I think Brad will end up going, but I think he'll be on some kind of resting plan. I don't know what it's going to be. Skip every other game. Don't play a ton of minutes throughout. Like I don't know what the details of that are going to be. And I know the Wizards have been in contact with all their vets. But other than those three guys, and I guess there's Mahimi as well, who's also a vet. These are all young guys. I mean, we're talking about Rui and Garrison Matthews and Mo Wagner and Isak Bonga and Troy Brown and Jonathan Williams and just all these young guys who have opportunities for minutes and to prove themselves and to show off these skills. They've had four and a half months off. And yes, it's been an, or they will have had four and a half months off when the season starts. And, and it's been an unconventional four and a half months off for sure, because, you know, it's not like they've been playing pickup and it's not like it's been a normal off season, but that's an off season's worth of time off. Like Troy Brown might be more point guardy. He might be more comfortable in only facilitating role. Rui's jump shot might fundamentally look different if he's had four and a half months to work on it. There are things that that could change with these young guys. Like it's not quite, you know, it's almost like we're getting season two Rui as opposed to rookie Rui. We're more getting, we're getting closer to sophomore Rui, you know? Um, and I think we're going to see the Wizards for those eight games try to accentuate all of those skills that guys have added and the skills that they want for those guys to add. Uh, this is all true. Now, you know, we, we, there's a term bearing the lead and we have done that Fred because all I want to know and I'm sure all the commenters in the um, in, in in your Twitter feed and then in the story after you put it up about Bertons all they want to know is what player are the Wizards now going to sign to 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 replace him uh, I mean everybody's going to have their opinions and Oh my God, this is this is classic. Obviously, you think you you think burying the lead is is all right. Who's going to be the 18th uh, man on the yeah, roster? Yeah, we, we don't care. But Bertans, Schmertons. I mean, whatever. He's going to be back. That's next year's problem. But we got eight, we got eight games of basketball. Yeah, no. I mean, the fact that and I, I think I had this right that the fact that anybody they sign is only literally for this amount of games. It's not anything else. It's like signing. You know, it's like the end of the year when you sign some guy to a 10 day contract and. You know, you just to take a look. So it's literally that. Uh, but uh, no, I, I am sort of intrigued because I, I always like these games. Will, will this person even play? I mean, you know, it's all relative to a hundred other factors uh, that, that may happen. 
But I'm always just wondering, like, do we see somebody from like Bertons' like agency or Bradley Beals for that matter? Some random free agent is the guy that gets signed and stuff like that that I that I'm fascinated by. Can we talk about Demarcus Cousins? Oh my lord! Sure. Because Wizards Twitter, Wizards Twitter is so weirdly obsessed with Demarcus Cousins as if they have not followed. It's like Wizards Twitter, just like specifically Wizards Twitter. It's like they muted. DeMarcus Cousins' name three years ago. So no news about him has come up on their timeline since, other than when somehow John Wall mentions that he wants to play with DeMarcus Cousins. I do not think they are signing DeMarcus Cousins. Wizards Twitter is obsessing over the last week over, oh my God, should they sign DeMarcus Cousins for the eight games in Orlando? Why would they sign DeMarcus Cousins for the eight games in Orlando? The, fu- the funny thing is, it, this is a, this is an insanely unrelated topic, so bear with me. But like I just before we came on, I saw that there was a report that said they're, they're doing some new multiverse with the DC comics and like they're gonna and Michael Keaton is in talk to reprise his Batman role. Which sounds fun because he was Batman thirty years ago, whatever it is. But it also sounds insane because a lot has happened. There's a lot of tread on the tires in thirty years, and that's how I feel about the Boogie Cousins thing. Yes, ten years ago when he and John Wall entered the league together, the idea of pairing these you know great friends and Kentucky teammates together was always a dream, and it was always somewhat tantalizing with Cousins constantly, you know, in, in, in always potentially on the move from Sacramento. But my lord, what look what look at what's happened to both of these guys. They are not the same young pups anymore. And the idea of putting them together, I mean, I get the fun that people would, would, would derive from that, but like, come on, this is they're not this is you know, there's a lot of tread on the tires, like I'm saying with Michael Keaton playing Batman. I, I they, you're gonna have to have a stuntman to 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 justify putting these two guys together if you think that these guys are gonna be some dynamic duo. So yeah, for the purposes of these eight games in particular, it makes negative sense. This is about taking the guys you definitely know are coming back and figuring out as best you can what they what they ha- what you have, what they can do, how to improve them, not bring in some uh, ginormous uh, extra thing that would you know be a distraction or potentially cause some chaos just because of his presence. I'm not saying anything Boogie would do, but just being there. No, you want, you know, in his case, you want uh, Bryant, you want Mo Wagner, Hachimura, you want them playing, not somebody else. Also, this is this is the equivalent. It's not even the equivalent of Michael Keaton playing Batman. It's like if if you have like who's a who's a good young actor. It's like if you have like Ansel Elgore about to that that's the guy from Baby Driver, right? It's like if you have Ansel Elgore about to play Batman, but instead you're about to do the table read for Batman. And you're like, wait, Michael Keaton, why don't you come in here and play Batman just for the table read? That's what this is. They are is. having Robert Pattinson is playing Batman in some other thing, which I don't even understand how this works, how multiple people play Batman. This is all. Can we have, do you have a, does the Athletic have a podcast for this type of conversation? Because I have questions. <laughs> but that's what it's like. Okay, so Robert Pattinson's playing Batman, and then you have the table read for the new Batman movie, and you're like, let's bring in Michael Keaton, and Robert Pattinson can just watch from the side because that's exactly what this is. You get no bird rights on DeMarcus Cousins if you bring him in for the last eight games. You are just as likely to sign DeMarcus Cousins this summer. And what the whole idea of like, let's get a look at this guy, what is the look that you're getting? Like, what? What what's the look? You get him on your roster for eight games 
when he's just going to block young guys if he if he's good to play by the way this is all under the assumption that that he's good to play and then he's just a free agent again this offseason and if he plays well then you have no cap tools that allow you to sign him so other teams are just getting the look at DeMarcus Cousins it, it just it's it's totally nonsensical and it's this very weird thing that Wizards Twitter is obsessed with and I don't quite under, like Andrew, it's crazy, right? It feels very wizards, though. <laughs> it might be crazy, but it does feel so wizards. Now, the, the, I'm telling you, the, the wizards move is going to be. I, I, I would look at the, what Mark Bartlestein's clients, whoever Berton's agency has, look for guys like that, or you know, or maybe if you if you t- look at some free agent from some other team that they might target. And, and then do the favor game. This is a cl- perfect place to do that type of to do that type of thing since this isn't this isn't really for real. I mean, it counts to a degree, but not really. This is a perfect time to do somebody a solid, give their client a shot at practices, maybe throw them into a game. But there's really no consequences long term since it's only eight games. Uh, I'm putting my uh, I'm putting my chips on that on that uh, path. I think that's a good guess. I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I wonder, Ben, what would you do with Beal? Because now that now that we're talking about it, what what would you? I'm assuming that Beal is going to go down there just because I haven't heard otherwise. So as of now, I'm operating under the assumption that Bradley Beal is going to be in Orlando. Um, I know he's a competitive guy. I, I, Brad hates sitting out games. My, my God, does he, does he hate sitting out games? I, he's also talked about, like, he has talked about in the last month, month and a half about how he totally understands Damian Lillard's comments from earlier this hiatus when Lillard said that he didn't want to go there if he had nothing to play for. And I know Brad is kind of an eternally optimistic guy when it comes to where his team falls in the standings. He is he is always optimistic and he's referred to himself as naive in the past, but it's hard to look at the Wizards and think they have a giant, really good chance at making the playoffs. And it's also hard to look at the Wizards and think that they're the best thing for them to do is to gun to make the playoffs from an organizational standpoint and how they operate and all that. Uh, so how, how would you, let's say Beal says, I would like to go to Orlando. I'm going to Orlando, but he is open to some kind of resting plan. How would you handle that? Or would you tell him, you know what, Brad, we don't want you in Orlando. Don't come. We'll still pay your salary. Yeah, I mean, I probably, if it was just me, I'd probably say, Brad, enjoy your wife and kids. We'll see you in uh, a few months. But knowing that he wants to play, I presume. And also, look, you, you have these practices. It is an opportunity. I mean, the practices maybe is more of the opportunity than the games themselves to really do some things because you control everything. Uh, you know, as, as within the rules that the, the guidelines that the league is putting out with regards to social distancing and things like that. But, um, uh, you, you know, you can do that. I, I, look, I, I guess in the, the reality is if the Wizards want to front or be realistic about, hey, if we can actually make the playoffs and we want to take that shot, you give them the first couple games to see where you're at and then go from there with the idea that Brad may sit the rest of the time. Like I said, for me, there's no there's no real reason I would even bother playing Brad. I mean, he's under contract, whereas Bertans is not. But I, I want to do everything I can to preserve him for next year. 
the only counter would be, like you said, he's very competitive. He desperately wants to play always. And assuming that that carries weight here, I don't want to annoy him. Uh, you know, you have to be the adult in the room as the, as the organization. But, you know, I, if he desperately wants to play it, I really want to present to, the, to my younger players, hey, we're really trying. Don't screw around. That Bradley Beal playing is makes a bigger difference, but at the same point, I, I really wouldn't look to extend him beyond the first couple games unless we win the first two games and you know decide, all right, let's keep going. But uh, I would I would personally tell him to go go hang out at home, but I, I get where they're gonna probably want to make sense for them to have him go at least a couple games. Yeah, you know one thing I wonder about with with Orlando specifically, like they only have so many courts there. How are teams going to practice? Like when you got 22 teams at the beginning sharing a few courts and many of those courts have to be played with just like back to back to back games. Teams aren't really going to have practice time, right? Like you're not really going to be able to have that, I assume. So like I wonder with Wall. So I was talking about this with John Wall. I, I interviewed John Wall last week and I, I put out a story on the Athletic DC last week talking to him about uh, his uh, his charity all the money he's raised for Ward 8 and, and his thoughts on on the Black Lives Matter protests and all that stuff. And I'm going to have a few more stories coming out from our conversation because John was kind enough to sit down with me for for a long while. And And one thing that we talked about is John told me he doesn't really think it's safe to go to Orlando because he's nervous about coronavirus. Totally reasonable, by the way. I don't blame him. And... He also doesn't even know if it's worth it because one thing he's wondering about is exactly that. He thinks, okay, it, it would be good for me to go to Orlando because I'll I'll be able to scrimmage with my teammates and practice, and that's good. And if I stay back, all my teammates will be in Orlando. I won't be able to scrimmage with them, and that will be a problem. Then he thinks, wait, I don't really know what the practice situation is going to be. Like, we haven't really heard that yet. So what if, like, there aren't any practice scrimmages? Is that really worth it? And obviously, John Wall is a different situation because John Wall's not playing there no matter what. So we're talking about practice time. And, you know, other than, you know, having John Wall as a voice and a personality and a leader and all that kind of stuff, John Wall being there or not being there doesn't actually matter for the Encore product. So it's a different kind of conversation. But there are all these different nuances of like whether to go or not to go in Orlando and how guys can improve and not improve that are just going to be so different from what it would be if in just a normal world. Like there there are just so many things. Like I didn't even really think about that until John mentioned that. And there, it, it's it's so many things. So I getting back to Brad, I wonder, maybe a lot of the time you'd have a guy say, you know what, you can... You can sit for practice, Brad. Brad, you'll play 18 minutes a night, and you're just not going to practice. I don't know if anyone's really going to be practicing much because I don't know if they're going to have time for it. So there, it's maybe if that's the case, you say, well, we still want him to get in some minutes. So maybe he plays 24 minutes instead of 18 minutes or whatever it is. And like, there are just so many unknowns and so many eccentricities in the way that this schedule is that it's, uh, it's just weird. It's just it's a lot to think about. Yeah, and just to sort of uh, put a, put a, I guess put a cap on this from my end. I mean, the Wizards again, they're not realistically in position to contend for whatever this NBA title is going to be. So, you know, whatever the Lakers are doing or the Bucks or, or the Celtics or any of these teams is not is not the same thing for Washington. So, the Washington should in my opinion, this should only be about 
you know, Scott Brooks implementing his system, talking to the young players, getting them as much work as possible with their with their developmental coaches and all that stuff. And the rest of it, if you somehow stumble into wins and make this play-in game, mazel tov. But, like, that cannot, in my opinion, be the realistic goal. And therefore, yeah, you really have to ask yourself, what are we doing here? Is Bradley Beal, are we really telling Bradley Beal, you're going to come to Orlando, we're not going to practice much or at all, we're gonna, you're going to play some, but then you may not play a lot of games. By the way, even though yeah, technically your family can come into the bubble, it probably makes sense from a, a health standpoint for everybody involved to keep people away. So do you really want to be isolated from your family all this time? And there, there, there's, there's definitely a lot of factors for sure. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not discounting the idea of being competitive and trying. And look, in, in the fact that we have so much uncertainty, who knows, you know, for all we know, the Bucks. We talked about injuries. Who knows where the Bucks will be, or 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 the Magic, or the Nets, or any of these teams. Their star players. Who knows how it'll go? Uh, weird things will happen. It won't. I don't believe it's going to be a standard playoff situation where you, the, you, the all the high seeds just win per usual. At the same point, again, the odds are just so overwhelming against Washington. You, you can't really think about that. You got to think bigger picture. And to me, Bradley Beal not playing a lot is part of the bigger picture for the reasons we just discussed. We got anything else, guys? I pulled up the Wizards roster, by the way, on uh, NBA.com. Everybody has a photo picture of themselves except for Thomas Bryan and Mo Wagner. They just have the Jerry West logo. What, what's up with that? That is weird. Thomas Bryan and Mo Wagner are, like, consequential Jonathan players. Williams has a picture. He's, like, I mean, if you had told me he didn't have one, I'd be like, sure, I get it. I don't know. Work on that, <laughs> NBA. Come on. Do, do you know how long... It's been since the Wizards played a game. Here's how long it's been. I I just, I was talking to somebody recently and they mentioned Shabazz Napier. And my first thought when I saw Shabazz Napier's name was, wait, who's he play for now? And then I was like, oh, right, the Wizards. I just completely forgot he was the starting point guard on the team that I covered for like a while. It just completely dropped out of my mind. So... That's how long it's been for basketball. Before I do all of this analysis of like the nuances of the Wizards and the actual nuances of Wizards basketball, I have to just remind myself of the existence of everyone that I cover because it's just been so long that all of it has dropped out of my mind. Uh, yes, I had to pull up the reason I was I know they didn't have pictures of the of those guys there is because I had to pull up a roster to remember who was on the roster. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did want to ask you guys a question. I was listening to the low post and they had, when they were talking about the all defensive teams, I mentioned Gary Payton, the second, what do you guys think about that? Oh yeah, we should talk about this. I think it was a cogent observation is absolutely correct. He's a phenomenal defender. He just is, is he doesn't have really any offensive skills. His shot is kind of broken and it doesn't go in. So it limits his playing time. But like if he ever got, that's the whole reason the wizard signed him. Like, what did Zach say? Zach said he was. They were doing their all defense team, him and Arnovitz. And Zach said uh, he's the captain of the if he played more mm-hmm. team. And if he played more, he is like the best. And he said the way he defends is is criminal, right? And he said he would be the best defensive guard in the league. That's why the Wizards signed him. The Wizards love him defensively, and he's such a Scott Brooks player. Uh, but but he, um, you know, he just can't do anything offensively. He's Andrew. Do you know? Do you know the nickname story that I had with uh, Gary Payton the second? So when they first signed him, so his nickname is the Mitten, which I think is like, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before. I love this story. So his nickname is the Mitten, 
which is like a great nickname because it's a play on his dad being the glove. And I really enjoy that nickname. And so when I, he signed a 10 day last year and I'd met him, but you know, it was a year before. So I didn't know if he knew. And he's just, he's a really nice kid. And I shouldn't say kid. He's 27. He's a nice guy. And so I'm, I'm like an old enough man now that anyone younger than me is a kid, no matter how young. So, or no matter how old. So I, 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 he, I, uh, I said to him something about his nickname being the mitten. And he said to me that he hates that nickname. And basically said he doesn't like it because it's it's too derivative. And he doesn't like that it's based off his dad. He wants to be his own man. Uh, you know, I, my name might be Gary Payton II, but like I'm my own person. I don't want to be known as my dad's son. Like I want to be known as my own NBA player. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm writing something about you tonight. They just signed you. You're getting some playing time. Tell me what you want. I'll put it in the story. This conversation will be like a great anecdote for the story. I'll throw in the story. He said, any nickname. I was like, yeah, if you tell me any nickname that you want, I'll put it in. And he had just said he doesn't like the mitten because it's too derivative. And he goes, and he smiles and he says, I got it. And I said, okay. And he said, the big mitten. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, done. The big mitten. Done. Now, so now I only call him the big men. By, by the way, I was going to suggest for the player that the Wizards sign is uh, Justin Robinson, the player they threw overboard to, to keep Gary Payton. So uh, so there you go. They could do that and have them both. Your favorite. No, Gary Payton's a killer defender. Man, he is unbelievable on the ball. He's unbelievable. Also, like his deflections per 36 numbers are insane. Like I think Chris Dunn leads deflections per 36 amongst qualifying players. And Gary Payton doesn't really have enough to qualify if you're going to go by that per 36. But if you just go with the unqualified guys or you just base it on like 300 plus minutes or something like that, Gary Payton leads him deflections per 36 and is just pretty high in overall deflections per game. But. He's just that active. And by the way, this is a perfect situation to try him out. Because, like, my only thing with him has always been I get the defense. In this league where the way things are, if you can't score or can't shoot, you can't play. So this is a good eight-game opportunity to figure out how to unlock anything out of him. Can he be a Bruce Bowen? Can he make the corner three type of type of, type of situation? What can he do to justify keeping him on the court? This is a good chance to, uh, to experiment for just a guy like that. Yeah, that's true. You've now got me like racing to look up Gary Payton's uh, deflection stats, but I think my uh, I think my iPad is gonna die. Anything else, guys? Ben, anything to plug? Anything to plug? Oh, uh, you know, lots of uh, Washington Redskins comment or content for me on the Athletic. So uh, go check that out. And uh, I don't know what's the next story. I have to think about that. I'll, 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 maybe I'll look at uh, Chase Young's deflection per- percentages or something. I don't know. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, Gary Payton the second, by the way, 5.8 deflections per 36 minutes. Uh, second in the league is Chris Dunn, who's 5.4, but Chris Dunn has played three times the minutes. Your boy Nerlens Noel as a center is third. 5.1 but yeah Peyton is he's like 5.8 deflections per 36 he's 2.3 loose balls recovered per 36 which is super high like he is so insane in all those hustle stats just outrageous in all those numbers and he's just a he's so sticky on the ball if you want to sign up for the athletic 
you want to read this stuff, you want to get 40% off on an annual subscription that comes out to about $36 for the entire year and gets you a full subscription to everything on The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark gets you 40% off. If you want to sign up there as opposed to signing up regularly and paying $5 a month, you can sign up there, theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and pay $3 a month. And that gets you access to everything on the entire site. My stuff, Ben's stuff, all the athletic DC, MLB, NFL, NBA, everything. You get everything there. Uh, subscribe to wizards after dark on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, go on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. If you enjoy the podcast, leave me a review. As I always say, if you have nice things to say, the reviews actually really help us in the iTunes rankings and that kind of stuff. So that is always appreciated when I go on there and I see a review every once in a while, I see a review that's absolutely absurd and, and, and it makes me laugh. So, uh, you can leave an absurd one too. If it's nice or it's absurd, either one. I'm happy with it. Uh, Guys, thanks so much for uh, helping out, as always. Uh, I I might be back later this week. Otherwise, I'll definitely be back next week. Always got to do my my one episode a week for sure. Uh, Whenever I see you guys, I'll see you.